With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. What's going on, MD Nation? Welcome back into the program. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel as we are always streaming to you live there along with other great little snippets of, con- of content too. You make sure to check us out on TikTok. You know, something I don't always say a lot of. We usually have some clips out there for you guys. Check out some information there at Belly of MDFF Show as well. Pretty much all social media is just at Belly of MDF Show. There's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Doesn't matter. We have a great show for you guys today. It's the Thursday night preview and the early slate window of games. Now, yes, normally speaking, Chris Dowhower will be on the mic with me, but he's not. Not today, anyway. The reason being, he thought he could have a bye week because half the NFL gets to have a bye week this week, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. Chris is feeling a little bit under the weather today. Nothing too serious. Don't you guys worry. It's not COVID-related. I feel like we always have to like mention that now. It's like, you know, if you're, you're sick with anything, you have to like throw in there. Not COVID-related. Not COVID-related. Just an actual, you know, normal illness, normal cold, changing of the season type of deal. We expect him to be back with us on Friday night. 
when we do our DFS and lock bets of the week with Mr. Chaz Flaherty. So don't worry. You'll see Chris later on in the week. Of course, this will be back tomorrow. I will be, that is. But a Thursday night football game cast and the late window of games to talk about in that show, too. I guess before we get started, though, with all the analysis that we have to go over this week, and there's a lot of it because there's a lot of injuries to talk about as they keep piling up as we get closer and closer to the midway point here, is the news that was not news today going around. So let me hit this sounder. Breaking news. The breaking news, there was no actual news to act upon. So earlier on today, if you guys aren't on you know, all the social media platforms or if you're actually working like a normal person and can't always be on there, early this afternoon, there was an article that came out by one of the Houston Texans beat writers. So it was from a valid source, which is why this thing caught wildfire the way it did. And in the article, he talks about why the Texans could get a deal done with Deshaun Watson by the end of this week with the Miami Dolphins. Since then, so it grew from that to like, oh, potentially could have a deal done, to all of a sudden we were getting alerts throughout pretty much everywhere that a deal was imminent between the Dolphins and the Texans. Then there had to be some backlog up until like just a few hours ago, basically, where the Houston Texans came out and said like, hey, or sources were starting to say, hey, uh, completely false. Zero interest in Tua Tagovailoa. For the Houston Texans, that is. In order for the Dolphins to get a deal done they would and want to bring Watson in, they would have to move Tua, along with draft picks, of course. So then there was talk about a third team getting involved, Washington. Maybe Tua gets sent to Washington, and it would be part of a three-way deal here where Miami packages up some picks that they would get from Washington along with their own, send it to Houston and get to Sean Watson. And then about, I don't know, I want to say like an hour, maybe an hour and a half ago at this point, the whole thing I put a kibosh on words. No, 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 no. It's all false. It's all speculative. There's no actual meat on the bone here. So as it stands as of right now, the tippy top sources, you know, the guys who usually know everything that's going on, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, they are saying that all the rumors that happened throughout the course of this afternoon today Regarding Deshaun Watson and to attack the are completely false. There's no deal, at least no deal imminent from happening. Maybe there's something being talked about. Maybe there's something on the table, but there's no deal that's actually imminent or possibly happening anytime soon necessarily. Now it's the NFL. Things change quickly. And the reason why we're getting, you know, this excitement for these these type of things to begin with is because the trade deadline is November 2nd this year. So it's coming up. And there's some guys that we have our eyes on. One guy that, you know, comes to my mind immediately, Marlon Mack. The only reason Marlon Mack is a stash at all right now is because there is a real possibility that he gets traded. And you start looking around the league and you start seeing all these teams that need running back help now because inevitably running backs get hurt. Marlon Mack, to me at least, physically looks pretty good. And if he found himself in a situation where he was allowed to be the main ball carrier or at least in a 50-50 committee, he would instantly become fantasy relevant. So from that standpoint, sure, Marlon Mack could possibly be a stash. However, as I brought up in the beginning of the show saying Chris wanted to buy because half the NFL wanted to buy, six teams are on a buy. So I don't know too many teams out there are going to be in the position to be able to stash a player on the hopes that maybe by November 2nd, which is two weeks from now, 
is actually going to get traded into a situation that will make him fantasy relevant. If you can, great. Go for it. If not, don't worry about it. So let's start to dive into this thing. Dive into week seven. The the migraine it is week seven. And when I was doing the rankings for these matchups, it was really interesting to see some of the names that are going to fall into that must-start category whether top 24 receivers or top 24 running backs and the, the guys who fell into the top 36 of those positions that would be, you know, flex plays, starts. Really interesting to see some of the names that popped up there. And go ahead, check them out. The early week of the rankings are in bellyupfantasysports.com. Like I said last week, there's there's three days, major days that we update. I update all throughout the week as needed, but there's three major days we update in which you really should be checking out BillyFantasySports.com to check out my rankings, make sure you know you are on the right path when starting your lineups. And Wednesday, Tuesday night in the Wednesday morning is the first wave. Then I do a second wave, of course, you know, Friday nights after the practice, the main practice reports have come out. We have a decent idea of who's gonna play. And then of course, you know, Sunday morning. Last minute inactives, little changes here and there, weather, whatever, whatever have you. Those are three main days. But we we update it throughout the week to make sure we're trying to help you guys out as best as we possibly can. So Thursday night, who who's excited for this game? Who is excited for the lowest, the lowest over-under of the entire week to kick off? What's already an abysmal, dreadful week seven for fantasy football owners. I mean, this game between the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns is really the perfect game for week seven to kick things off because it pretty much sums up what week seven I think is going to be. I think week seven is just going to be a a low scoring affair for everyone fantasy relevant with maybe a couple teams here or there who are able to really go sky high. That's really what I'm looking at here. It's really... It's going to be brutal on Thursday night. So you got the Denver Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, questionable. Seems like they're leaning towards him being able to play. Everybody else you care about is good to go. Noah Fant is coming off the injury report. They're saying he's going to be fine. Cortland Sutton's good to go. Tim Patrick's good to go. Jerry Judy, earlier in the week, I know they kept saying he's 50-50, but there was no way in my mind that they were going to bring back Jerry Judy on a Thursday game this week and just hold him out an extra week, have him come back in week eight and be fine and be closer to 100% from then on because they need him. They need him bad. I mean, they signed John Brown because they're looking for active wide receivers, essentially, and they're getting thin at the position. So make sure he's just healthy. Bring him back then. So we're looking forward to Jerry Judy. By the way, if you're in a league, he's not less than 50% owned, so I don't know how many leagues are out there like this, but if you're in a league where he happened to be dropped, this, by the way, would be the week to do it, meaning you have about 24, less than 24 hours from now to pick up a Jerry Judy if you are going to, in fact, do that. But that would be my advice to you because with Teddy Bridgewater, and we saw it a little bit in week one, a small sample size, obviously, but it was trending towards a direction we thought could be possible, which is Judy just might be the better safety blanket and the overall more consistent wide receiver of this group because of where Teddy Bridgewater likes to target his passes. All right, the short, intermediate, middle part of the field, that's where Jerry Judy's going to operate especially with no KJ Hamler. There's nobody to rotate in the slot now. So that's what I expect him to do. If you can stash him, go ahead. I don't know how many leagues he's available out there for you. As far as this game goes, Cortland Sutton's my wide receiver 18. I don't see how you're going to have too many better options than him. 
The Cleveland Browns defense has been completely banged up. They're still banged up heading into this game, and they haven't been performing to the level that we've come to expect out of the Cleveland Browns defense, at least not on paper heading into this season. Last two weeks in a row, they've gotten demolished by opponents, giving up tons of points. Last two weeks in a row. So I wouldn't be afraid of this matchup in any capacity when it comes to Cortland Sutton. He is a wide receiver too. And conversely, Tim Patrick is my wide receiver 29. He's a star as a wide receiver three, whether it be in the flex, whether you're playing three receivers, whatever have you. But he's a top 30 wide receiver this week. Now, this might be the last week because Jerry Judy comes back. We'll have to see exactly how this whole thing breaks down with those top three receivers. He'll still play, by the way. Tim Patrick will still probably have wide receiver four, wide receiver five value, even when Jerry Judy comes back because he's going to be out there on the field. Remember, no KJ Hamler. So even when Judy comes back, the three starting receivers will still be Judy, Tim Patrick, and Cortland Sutton. So he's still going to have opportunities. He's not going to come be completely fantasy irrelevant, but this will be the last week where... I think you can depend upon the high floor that he's been producing every single week up until this point. You can play him tomorrow. With the running backs, both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams finish inside the top 24 for me this week. Again, it's it's a detrimental week. But both these guys are low-end RB2s. We know the split's 50-50. We know the split still leans a little bit towards Melvin Gordon. Neither one of them have huge ceilings. You're hoping for touchdowns, but they're going to get you a decent floor, both of them. And right now, that's going to be kind of hard to come by. So both these guys finish inside the top my, my top 24 and become low in RB2s this particular week. So I think you have to play them no matter what. And Noah Fant, of course, my tight end seven on the week. Top 10 tight end, had a big game last week. Typically with a Noah Fant, listen, he needs targets. We know this. He's not, he's not the Travis Kelsey of consistent tight ends. He's going to have big weeks. He's going to have some duds. Last week was a huge week. The week before that, a eh, little bit of a dud. Here's what I will say, though. If Teddy Bridgewater, you know, operating on a banged-up foot, might be to put in a position, especially going up against Miles Garrett and what's still a good pass rush Cleveland Browns team, even though their secondary has been a little bit susceptible because of injury. He might be in a position where he has to get rid of that ball quicker. That may favor a Noah Fant and or a Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, depending on what running backs coming out of the backfield at particular play. Usually it's been Melvin Gordon. That might favor them a little bit in that of a situation because he might have to get the ball out of his hands a little bit quickly, more quickly than what he has been doing up until this point. So kind of keep that in mind. I think there's a safe floor. Noah Fant, of course, is a start. He'll be fine for you. Let's let's flip this thing over to the Cleveland side of the ball. There's a lot to talk about. A lot of, uh, well, it looks like, first of all, the Cleveland Browns look like a fantasy wasteland. This looks like the Cleveland Browns from like five years ago when you, there was never any value to be had. Like basically they were in the New York Jets. That's what this Cleveland Browns team looks like. So first of all, you know, you got Baker Mayfield. He's going to be out. I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen after the additional injury or re-aggravation, I guess you could say, of a fully torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. And there's been some talk, while there's been no clarity, though, but there's been some talk that he ha does have other injuries he picked up in that game now outside of just the shoulder. And after being advised by two doctors to not play in this game, ultimately they went with Case Keenum. So what those two other injuries are, we've never really got, or at least I didn't get any specifics to. We'll see. Maybe we'll get some more next week after they get the longer layoff period. But Case Keenum's going to come in and take over. And honestly, 
with the way Baker Mayfield has played as of late, I don't know if that's really a change, if that's really a difference. Case Keenum knows the system. The last time he was uber successful was with the Minnesota Vikings, following over Kevin Stefanski. He knows the system well. He fits the system. He'll be fine. And like I said, with Baker Mayfield, the way he's played up until this point, I don't know how much of a downgrade this truly is. Now, if you're saying to yourself, like, okay, Baker Mayfield's out, does that mean OBJ gets to flourish because those two can't get on the same page? Yeah, I'd be a little bit surprised if OBJ played in this game. I know he's questionable. He's a game-time decision. He, they want him to play because Jarvis Landry's not ready to come back. And then if he doesn't play, you're down to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashad Higgins while not having a Nick Chubb or a Kareem Hunt ending into this matchup. It gets real desolate real fast with this team. So I think you're hoping that OBJ can go, but I don't know that he's going to be able to. They're talking about a grade three AC joint sprain. I don't see how this guy's going to be out there on a Thursday night game after in a quick turnaround. But we'll see. They may be desperate enough, and he may be chomping at the bit to play enough where they, they let him be out there. Either way, there is not a Cleveland Browns receiver. There is not a Cleveland Browns tight end. And of course, I'm not streaming quarterback. For, I'm not streaming Keenum. That I'm going to play out of the Browns in this matchup. Not only are they players that are on the lower end anyway, and I know for some people, Donald Peoples-Jones would become somewhat of a sleeper if OBJ, in fact, is out. And look, I agree of all the receivers he's, of the Cleveland Browns left at that point. He's probably the most trustworthy one. He's the only other one who's been highly targeted when thrusted in that situation and has produced in some in some areas. We know that Case Keenum's willing to throw the ball down the field at least to some degree to the extent that he can because there's a lot down the field that he can't do anyway. But I don't know how much of a sleeper he'd be. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much I'd be targeting Donovan Peoples-Jones, even with an OBJ out. I'm not going to feel comfortable with it, that's for sure. Now, you may be in a situation where you don't have a better option because given the circumstances around this week, that, that's something totally different. But as of right now, he's not in my top 36. If OBJ's out, he may crack in my top 36. We'll have to see. I will update my rankings one more time tomorrow before that game starts. Just So just keep an eye on that. But the only Cleveland Brown that I am actually want to play in this game, and I don't even know how much I want to play him, but the only one I feel comfortable enough playing on a normal week, on a normal level, would be Dearness Johnson. So you had all this talk about, you know, okay, so what's the split going to be, right? Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're both out. Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton. I was like, all right, well, Johnson will get most of the carry workload, play more of the Chubb role, and Demetric Felton play more of the Hunt role. Yeah, to some degree, that makes sense. Here's where it doesn't. Demetric Felton is not a good pass blocker. And if you actually look at his usage, he's been utilized more as a wide receiver than as a running back. I don't know that in this situation, they wouldn't try to utilize him out of the backfield. In fact, I think they will. But to the degree of which he's getting, he definitely won't have the Kareem Hunt role. I don't think he'd have many carries. I think if, you, if you're playing Demetric Felton, you're hoping for him to be a kind of a J.D. McKissick. Where you know, like, yeah, you might be looking at five carries, but I'm really hoping you get, like, eight targets. I can't say distinctly that's not a possibility given the dire straits the Cleveland Browns are in heading into this matchup. But I do think it's very unlikely because, again, 
you go back to the lack of being able to pass protect. Most coaches are not going to play you if you can't pass protect, at least not in a significant way. So I'd be curious to see how much he really does operate out of the backfield as a third down specialist. I think it's possible, but I think there is a reason to think that maybe he wouldn't get as much work as we think in that area. I do think, regardless, I think Dearness Johnson will get more work in the passing work than most of the fantasy industry is projecting him to do. Dearness Johnson comes in as RB17 for me. So he is a, a strong RB2 play. I don't love the matchup. I know when you guys look on paper the last couple of weeks, the Denver Broncos have been a little bit more susceptible to really everything, the pass and the run. But I do think they're a much better defense than what they played like on Sunday. And given given the situation surrounding the Cleveland Browns offense right now, I don't know if there's really anything the Denver Bronco defense wouldn't be able to handle in this matchup. And therefore, I don't know how much the Browns are going to be able to score. Again, this is the lowest over-under of all the games at 41. I don't know if the Browns are going to be able to score that many points. So that may lead to a down game or at least a ceiling-limited game for Dearness Johnson because they can't necessarily move the ball. But I do think he will be a focal point of the offense. And for a waiver wire pickup in a crazy week, that's really all you can hope for here. Hopefully things get better. Hopefully Nick Chubb's back by week eight. We'll see. Let's get into the betting part of this game. So I am actually excited to bet this game. Hopefully if you're like me, you check the lines, you know, on Monday, you know, when they first start to come out Monday and Tuesday, if you were able to do that, maybe you saw the same value I did when this thing opened up at the beginning of the week, it was minus three and a half favor of the Browns course being at home and at that point the books were I guess projecting Baker Mayfield to play I jumped all over that game on the money line I jumped on the Denver Broncos money because at that time the money line was plus 145 I hadn't really checked that game until today when I know it's going to come do the show as far as where it had moved I had assumed given all the information to come out the Cleveland Browns that this line would have moved to a pick'em game at the very least, but if not in favor of Denver. The sports books are showing no respect to the Denver Broncos whatsoever. This line has only went from three and a half to two. It is now plus two for the Denver Broncos. The money line is set at plus 110. So I'm going to give you guys this. Upset pick of the week. Denver Broncos outright in that game. I feel great about it. It's No matter what, it's definitely a great value bet given the backup running back, backup quarterback, backup receivers, backup secondary. I mean, it's back, It's the JV squad for the Cleveland Browns because the Denver Broncos team, again, is better than what they played like on Sunday. But if you want to look at this Cleveland Browns team like the first three games the Denver Broncos won against inferior opponents, the Browns are an inferior opponent right now. Plain and simple. There's no way around. They are an inferior opponent at the moment. So I'm giving you my upset pick of the week. It's the Denver Broncos outright. At plus 110 on the money line. Hopefully, you got it like me and were able to get it at plus 145 earlier on. All right, let's put that game aside. Spent a lot of time talking about the game. There's a lot of different angles that we had to talk about and break it down. Let's start to get into our first Sunday matchups. I actually was a, a little bit excited this week that there was no London game. So I'm on the East Coast. And on one hand, it's kind of nice that, you know, when I first wake up Sunday morning at usually I wake up about 
eight o'clock between eight and nine on Sunday mornings, start to get ready with the rankings and news updates and getting ready for football and setting the lineups and all that stuff. And sometimes it was nice to be able to wake up, get a cup of coffee and be like, all right, there's already the first football game of the day on. And it was nice the first week. Last week, not so nice. Now, part of it could have been I stayed up maybe a little bit too late on Saturday night. But I was like, I want to sleep in. I don't want to wake up to football yet. I'm not ready to get up yet because I have to get up. You know, I'm I'm trying to I'm watching these games. I'm analyzing these games. I'm looking for the usage. I'm looking at projection. I have to watch these games. I'm like, let me sleep in. I know, first world problems. I get it, but there is no there is no London game this week. I believe there are two more on the season though. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I believe there are two more to come, but not this week. So first game up, we're going to talk about. Washington football team, Green Bay Packers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. So the Washington football team dealing with some of their own injuries in their own right, right? We have Antonio Gibson. He did not practice. We know that he's been dealing with the stress fracture on the shin. It sounds as though he may have picked up a calf injury on top of it. So while the weeks leading up, the last couple of weeks leading up to this, he hasn't been practicing on Wednesday and he didn't practice today again. You weren't concerned about it because you knew like he's going to practice either Thursday or Friday or both and he's going to be fine for Sunday. Now he has a calf injury to go with it and we still don't really know the severity of that calf injury we're kind of stuck in limbo here where there's a real chance Antonio Gibson could very much be in question for this game, at least be a game-time decision, if not out. Now, J.D. McKissick didn't make my waiver wire report because he had already been more than 50% owned because of the usage he had been seeing in the passing game. But if you're in maybe some standard leagues out there, maybe a few half-point PPR leagues, full-point PPR, I think he's pretty much owned. But half-point PPR, definitely some standard leagues out there. You could pick up a J.D. McKissick. I would do it because here's my thing. I know everybody like, you know, they like Jared Patterson. Jared Patterson right now is just kind of that, that young, unknown, low drafted, undrafted rookie running back flavor of the week type of deal going on here. I really believe this would be primarily the JD McKissick show. I don't think it'd be a 50 50 split. Definitely McKissick would dominate the passing down work. You're not going to take him out of that role if he's the only back left. 
I don't think Jared Pat is going to roll in there and take 40% of the carries. I really don't. I think at most, maybe 30%, making this a J.D. McKissick show if Antonio Gibson were to not miss. And then you can back that fact, but they're going up against Green Bay. McKissick may become a high-end RB2 for me by the end of the week if Gibson cannot go. Now, on the reverse of that, let's say Gibson can go. Let's hope he's able to suit up and play through it like he has been. I'm still playing him. I'm not worried about it. In fact, I'm so not worried about it. I have him ranked as my RB7 because I am expecting him to play as of this moment. The reason being big time is because of the matchup, but he's still getting a lot of carries. He's still getting touchdowns. Shout out to uh, Dan coming back in. He's like, what's your ranking on AJ Green for the week? Dan, I'll have to get back to you on that one. I'll pull it up in a minute. Uh, that game we're going to be previewing in tomorrow's show. So if you can come back for tomorrow's show, please do. Or check out you know the rankings that are live right now at BillionFantasySports.com. But come back tomorrow's show. We'll do the Thursday night game cast and all the late window of games. That game is a 4 o'clock matchup. But the ranking that we... I'll try to pull up real quickly for you. The, the ranking we have on AJ Green, because I had the Cardinal receivers all kind of around the same area. I have him coming in at wide receiver 41 on the week. So just outside that wide receiver three territory, I do have Christian Kirk a few spots ahead, closer to that low end wide receiver three territory that you're looking for to play. I'll say this. AJ Green's had a solid floor. He has. He's had a solid usage. He's had a solid floor. I don't trust his upside. And given that this is Arizona going to Houston, I just feel like, Cardinals are going to do everything they can to make this about Hopkins, to make this about J.J. Watt. And I don't know how much everybody else is going to get involved in between outside of the running back. So that's why I'd be a little bit curious about. He is a play if you need an option. I do have him as a high-end wide receiver for, again, because of the usage, especially in the red zone. But this could just be like the DeAndre Hopkins show. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. But it depends on what options you have out there, Dan. Thanks for tuning into the show again. Come back tomorrow. We'll preview that game in full. So we're talking about, you know, this Green Bay-Washington game. And you just have to kind of watch what's going on with Gibson. That's all. If he plays, you're good to go. Terry McLaurin wasn't able to practice today. To be expected. I mean, I'm not going to expect the guy to come back on a Wednesday who's picked up a hamstring injury halfway through last week and be able to go, especially not full go. The big thing you take out of last week with Terry McLaurin is while he disappointed against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think had he not hurt himself in practice, he probably would have had a huge week. I had him as a top five receiver until we got news of that injury, and I knocked him down all the way to a, a bottom end wide receiver too. I wasn't even sure he was going to play. He able he was able to get through that game. There was a couple times he went deep. He actually laid out for one. Didn't make the catch, but he laid out for one. So I would say this, it definitely seems like it's on the minor side as far as hamstring injuries go. And on top of it, he was able to get out of that game without any reported setbacks, which makes me think he's going to be able to play this week. So that's that's ultimately what you need if he plays this week in another very sweet matchup here against the Green Bay Packers. He is a wide receiver eight for me. So you're going to play him as a wide receiver one. I think he will be able to go. The guy I'm a little bit more interested in because he popped up on the injury report today and we hadn't heard about this until today's practice report. Ricky Seals-Jones coming up with a quad injury. And it's not like a quad contusion. 
like Tyreek Hill. It might be a pulled quad. We have to see what's exactly what's going on there, what the severity is. But he wasn't able to practice today. And he's been, he's been very vital because he's been a guy coming for Logan Thomas, a tight end you've been able to pick up and stream, seeing a crazy amount of targets. Has been good, picked up a touchdown last week. You really want him in this matchup. He is somebody that I am a little bit concerned about heading into this week. Now, we'll keep you up to date on social media at BillyFMDFFShow with all the with all the news alerts that come throughout the week and make sure you guys are good to go. But that is somebody I'd be a little bit concerned about. So if you're depending upon Ricky Seals-Jones to be your tight end, you may have to go in another direction, unfortunately. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers has not been the fantasy asset you've wanted him to be. And if Chris was here, he'd bring up, you know, the slow pace of play has been insane for the Green Bay Packers, and that's a big reason why. But the matchup against Washington is so sweet. So sweet. And then McLaurin is healthy enough to go, and Gibson is healthy enough to go, and Ricky Seals-Jones is healthy enough to go. I know that was a lot of ifs right there. I do think Washington will have enough firepower to keep Green Bay aggressive for four quarters. So give me the Packers, the Rodgers here, my number five quarterback on the week. You've been waiting for him to give you top five outputs. I think he can give you a top five output in this particular matchup, in this particular game. Devontae Adams, of course, is my wide receiver one. That's obvious, neither here nor there. So Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones owners all around are freaking out. What do we do? What do we do? A.J. Dillon, he's getting too involved. Relax. He's not too involved, by the way. Look, of the three games that A.J. Dillon has suddenly been woken up, I guess you could say. It would be the best way to put it. Two of them he only has gotten involved in the second half, and the game was well in hand and closed it out. The one from two weeks ago now, where he was involved kind of throughout the game and was involved in the passing game, that is is the usage that you're worried about. But of the three games that he's actually been starting to be utilized, he's been utilized in a closing role after the fact. Aaron Jones has been dominating the passing down work. He's still getting the majority of the carries, especially when the game script is neutral. And even with all that said, even with A.J. Dillon in those games where he got a significant amount of work, Aaron Jones has still been an RB1. So don't worry about it. Relax. And you have to love the matchup here because while the secondary has been terrible for Washington, so has the run defense. I mean, everything's been terrible for Washington. You can do anything you want to him. He comes in my RB4 on the week, Aaron Jones. Obviously, part of that is due to buys. But still, my RB4 on the week, you got a top five running back on your hands. I'm not worried about it. Unfortunately, Robert Tanyan is nowhere to be found and I don't think he's going to be able to be found this season. So outside of Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers, there are no other Green Bay Packers that are actually fantasy relevant, believe it or not, which is not what we were expecting after what was a crazy year a year ago. At least we thought maybe A.J. Dillon, Robert Tanyan would be involved and be a little bit more fantasy relevant than they wound up being. This game right now, Green Bay Packers at home, minus eight and a half. Over-under set at 49. I'm going to take the under on this game. Washington is just a little bit too banged up offensively for me to fully trust they can actually put up enough points given the slow pace of play of the Green Bay Packers for me to feel like the Packers, between Packers and Washington, they'll definitely you know hit that 50 mark, which is what you're looking for. 
I think it's a possibility. I don't think I would bet the over-under either way, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be the under. However, I am all over the Green Bay Packers at minus eight and a half. That I am going to do. Washington's just not a good football team. Taylor Heineke's not a good quarterback. And if their weapons aren't able to play or not 100%, I don't think they're going to be able to come within a score of this game, which is basically what this line is saying. They're saying Green Bay is favored by two scores. I agree. I fully agree, especially in Green Bay. So I do like this game. I will bet this game. Green Bay Packers minus eight and a half. I will lock this game for this upcoming week. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's keep it going. Now, this game, from a fantasy perspective, super excited for. Super excited for. Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans. Now, there's some disappointments. You know, Clyde Lair still won't be around. I would be shocked if Julio Jones was actually able to suit up for this matchup after getting a hamstring injury in the Monday night game again. Can someone just go and super glue Julio Jones's hamstring to his body so it stops pulling and stops snapping? It's insane. He had a beautiful play in that game. If you didn't see the Monday night game, he looked like vintage Julio Jones on a big, deep play where he just got wide open. Looked as, looked as explosive as ever. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he is ex- as explosive as ever, but the rest of his body or his hamstrings in particular, are actually 32 years old like he is, and the rest of his body is still 27. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he's got an age differential going on within his own body, because that's what it feels like at this point. I'd be shocked if he played this week. Now, why that stinks for him, because he actually would have been a very valuable asset in this match against the Kansas City Chiefs, it does open up the door for A.J. Brown to dominate. Now, A.J. Brown wasn't able to practice today either. He's still dealing with the illness that, you know, everybody was in panic mode over because you were halfway through Sunday, and all of a sudden we find out, oh, A.J. Brown's got an illness. He's questionable play now. Well, great. I don't have any other options available. Most of the games have already kicked off, something that doesn't happen very often. But A.J. Brown was able to play, and while he didn't have a huge game, You love the fact that he got seven receptions on nine targets for 91 yards against the number one defense in the NFL. After having poor performances where he was going for like four for 40 and he's only had one touchdown on the year, he was able to put together a really nice game against a tough defense. Meaning he's healthy from his other issues, just get healthy from the illness part. But going up against Kansas City Chiefs, no Julio Jones. That target share is going to get consolidated down real fast. And even Ryan Tannehill is only throwing the ball 25, 30 times a game. Eh, A.J. Brown's got a, I, has a real shot. In fact, if I could, I would bet on it. Uh, he's going to get double-digit targets against Kansas City Chiefs. And you love that matchup in that situation, in a game in which points will and have to be scored. All that to say, A.J. Brown, my number 10 wide receiver on the week. He is a wide receiver one for me, and I think he actually has potential to get inside the top five in this particular matchup with the target share that I think he's going to see. So I love A.J. Brown this week. I think this is the week he bounces back and turns back into that wide receiver one that you drafted him to be. Conversely, what does that mean for Ryan Tannehill, who has not been the fantasy quarterback that you've wanted him to be? 
part of that is because Derrick Henry has been so dominant. Yes. The other part of that is, you know, the wide receivers have been banged up. Yes. And then the other part of that is Brian Tannehill in general just doesn't look as sharp. Now, whether that's because him and Todd Downey maybe aren't as simpatico as him and Arthur Smith were, I I will say this. There's a hell of a lot less play action, a hell of a lot less bootlegs, a hell of a lot less motion since Todd Downey has taken over to play calling from what Arthur Smith was doing, which is a big reason why Ryan Tannehill was succeeding in the first place, because he's good at throwing the ball on the run. He's good at moving in motion offenses and great off of play action. And while you have Derrick Henry, it still befuddles my mind that they are not one of the top teams in play action. It's absolutely insane. So Todd Downey, while he's doing a great job, you know, feeding Derrick Henry over and over and over and over again. Oh, by the way, Derrick Henry, number one running back on the week. Surprise, surprise. He's not doing a great job of getting Tannehill in situations where he can succeed and this whole Tennessee offense could hit another level because they had the possibility to do that. Having said all that, it's the Kansas City Chiefs and they were shootout game. Guess what? Ryan Tannehill is my QB eight this week. Now, I don't feel great about it. And in some some instances, I would feel like if I was put in a position where I could bench Tannehill and have this be the game where prove to me that you can still be a fantasy asset that you used to be before I play you, rather than taking that leap of faith, essentially, because that's what you have to do here, because he hasn't been very good fantasy-wise in really any game so far this season. So you'd have to take a leap of faith That because of the matchup and what you know he's capable of and the fact that he does have A.J. Brown and the game script expected here, that he'll turn in a top 10 performance. I do have him ranked at QB 8. The numbers all point in that direction. And as a fantasy analyst, while I love film, and I think I love film more than most in my position, still can't ignore screaming numbers at you. The numbers scream a top 10 quarterback performance here by Ryan Tannehill. So maybe have some fun and plug him up in a a stack combo with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown, if you want to do it that way, maybe. But a guy that you can certainly play. Other than that, there's nothing else. I mean, look, even if Julio Jones is out, Nick Westbrook, Ikeen, uh, Josh Reynolds was the healthy and active last week, maybe Chester Rogers. There's nothing else I'm going to want to clue in on on the Tennessee Titans side of the ball. And then on the Chiefs, nothing really changes for me here. I mean, I got, we got some injury updates for you, I suppose. I mean, Tyree Kelly didn't practice today. But he didn't practice at all until Friday of last week, where he was a limited practice. He came in and led the team in targets. So, and we didn't, we haven't heard anything about a setback for Tyreek Hill with the quad contusion that he was, you know, suffering from and trying to manage through right now. So, as far as I'm concerned, I have no reason to think that Tyreek Hill is not going to be able to play in this game. And Travis Kelsey was a limited participant in practice, but he was out there in practice on a Wednesday. He's going to play. So, Kelsey's my number one tight end. Mahomes is my number one quarterback on the week. No Josh Allen, and you're going to get a nice matchup here against the Tennessee Titans. And then Tyreek Hill's my number two receiver on the week, uh, on the week because, you know, he's not quite as sure of a thing as Devontae Adams, but pretty darn close. Let's get into a real conversation, which is, you know, Darrell Williams. Now, obviously, you're starting Darrell Williams, but how high can he go? Well, I have him in RB11. I have him as a low-end RB1, meaning he's a must-start. He's the lock play. You got to play this guy. We talked about it in the recap show. In a lot of ways, he could wind up putting out better fantasy performances than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Why? Because when they get in the red zone, they're not allergic to using him. That's the biggest reason. He was already getting that role 
when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was healthy. He got two rushing touchdowns last week. You know this team is going to be in the red zone quite a bit. If they have a running back, they actually trust to run it in and make some things simple that haven't been so simple for the Chiefs heading into this season so far. They're going to do that. He's in there in this situation. So he's got the potential to score every single week. He's leading the way in carries, and he was the workhorse back. Jarek McKinnon was not as involved as I thought he was going to be last week. So on top of that, he's getting targets. Now, look, I how trustworthy those targets are when it comes to Kansas City Chief running back, I don't know. Do I truly believe that they are more comfortable throwing the ball to Darrell Williams than they are Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I tend to think not. I do believe they are more confident in his pass blocking ability, which he then can shed and kind of leak out on. And when Patrick Mahomes is under duress, can throw it to him then. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, Andy Reid's not calling more screens since Darrell Williams came in over Clyde Edwards-Alaire, so it's not like it's designed to go to the running back. We had five targets last week. Something we would kill for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to have. So it's no further notice. I mean, Darrell Williams is going to be a lock play until Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes back. And even then, we'll have to see what the role is going to be because I don't think his role is going to disappear, especially not as the red zone back at the very least. For now, you're, you got to be excited about Darrell Williams this week. And then the other player who has some interest to me is Mecole Hartman. He's, th- he's, number, he's number 38 wide receiver on the week. So he's just outside my top three, my top, my wide receiver three range, just outside that top 36. His usage has been better over the past two weeks. This is a good matchup where somebody else besides Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey probably will get an opportunity. I don't want to trust it if I can help it. That's why he's outside of my top three. He's not a, he's not a must play for me. He's not a flex play for me. He's a guy you can consider depending upon what your options are given the massive and given his recent usage. So what we're going to do now is come back. We're going to take a quick break. When I get a word from our sponsor, when we come back on the other side, we still have a few more games to talk about. We'll talk, we'll kick it off with the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins after the break. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you are betting on. That's why I always tell people to put your money down at my bookie. The Arizona Cardinals have come out to a hot start. The Chiefs have as many losses as they did last year. And with all the overs hitting in the dying seconds of a game, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Thankfully, my bookie's lock of the season has returned for the Las Vegas Seattle NHL opening game. When either team scores in the game, you win. You heard that right. When the lamp lights red, you get the bread. Take the easy win, pat yourself on the back, and use your winnings toward your NFL picks for week six, which includes a battle between two potential Super Bowl contenders when the Cardinals meet the Browns. Don't miss out on a winning season. Head to my bookie and use my promo code. MD Fantasy, and you'll get double your first deposit. That's a promo code MD Fantasy, so you can get double your funds to double your winnings to double the prizes. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. On social media at BellyUp MDFF Show, and of course, streaming to you live on our MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you get the opportunity to do so. You can always catch every single episode we do 
on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, wherever you like to go. And we will be airing live on the Unhinged Radio Network from 6 to 7.30, leading up into the Thursday night game before we go live for the Thursday night game cast and the late Sunday matchups. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We are busy people. Well, I'm a busy person, I guess I should say. Usually I have Chris here. That's why I say we. But I'm a busy person, especially in the midway part of the week. I love it. Love every minute of it. Love being out there for MD Nation as much as I possibly can. But from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network on Thursday, leading into the NFL kickoff on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. This is the Thursday night preview and the early slate game preview for week seven. We just previewed a few games, and you heard the word from our sponsor, MyBookie, where if you use the promo code MDFANTASY, you get double your deposit. When we bet, when we talk about betting lines, this is what we use is MyBookie, and I forgot to use one. I forgot to talk about the Tennessee-Kansas City game. Now, this line is set at minus five and a half, in favor of Kansas City on the road against Tennessee. The data, when we talk about this, the easy sports betting data from Chaz, and Chaz isn't with here with us, but I, I got to look at it. The data is actually telling you to pick Tennessee plus five and a half. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go in the line here either way. There's a, a wide range of outcomes for both teams, depending upon how things fall. But here's what I do feel comfortable about. I do feel comfortable about there being a heck of a lot of points. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. We had a 34-31 matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. This is not the first time, by the way, Tennessee's gone over 30 points. Derrick Henry's not going to be stopped in this game. And he's not stopping this game. While Tennessee might not have the best passing attack in the world... They can still put up some points. I would not be surprised if both of these teams are able to get into the 30s. The over-under set at 57 and a half. It's the highest over-under of the, of the week. Here was, here's what my advice would be. I, would, I wouldn't bet this game now. I would wait till we get closer to Sunday. I feel pretty confident the way these lines tend to move one way or another. I feel pretty confident that the public will probably bet a little bit on the under because 57 and a half is one of the highest over-unders I've seen all year. I feel pretty confident that when we get closer to Sunday, this line will have moved back to maybe 56 and a half, 55 and a half, maybe 56 flat. Maybe it gets, to, I don't know if it gets to 55 and a half, but I think there's a good chance this winds up being 56 and a half. I would bet the over because here's my thing. I think this game could be at least be 30 to 27, but I put some at 57, right? I think there's a good chance both go in the 30s. 
So I, so I want to get that one little point back. I want to see if this goes to 56 and a half before Sunday. If it does, I'm hopping all over the over. I may still bet the over regardless because of how much I think both these teams are going to be able to score in this matchup. But I want to see this line moves just a little bit. Otherwise, I'm staying away from the line in this matchup. So now we can move on into the Atlanta Falcons and Miami Dolphins that I teased you guys going into the break with. Start with the Atlanta Falcons side of the ball coming off the bye week. Matt Ryan. So there's a lot of things we're, we're projecting for the Falcons, right? So it's been two weeks since we've seen them. When we saw them, they didn't have Calvin Ridley. But Matt Ryan finally started going down the field. Instead of being a dink and dunk quarterback, he was actually taking shots off of play action. And they were utilizing that aspect of their offense. You know, a key staple of the Arthur Smith offense that hadn't utilized in Atlanta up until that point. And it's kind of odd they start to do that. You know, the one game Calvin really misses. But still, you like to see that they did it nonetheless. Do they carry on with that? That's the big question here. Ridley's back this week. So you want to see them take more shots because the problem with Ridley, the reason why he hasn't been the, you know, big wide receiver one that we expected him to be is because he's been operating too close to the line of scrimmage on every single throw. He's got all the targets you want. He's got all the receptions you want. None of the yards, none of the touchdowns. Let's see them. Let's see them change that. Now on paper, this is going to be a great matchup. I'm a little concerned. We're going to have to watch the injury report of the Miami Dolphin defense. One of the reasons this is a great matchup for quarterbacks and wide receivers and, and frankly, running backs as of late, pretty much everybody offensively lately is because the Miami Dolphins have been one really banged up defense over the past few weeks and probably a little bit more injured than I think people are at least acknowledging. I won't say don't know, but at least are not acknowledging. So Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, I mean, pretty much everybody who had been inactive for this team was limited today in some capacity meaning they are on track to possibly being able to come back this Sunday. Xavier Howard, limited practice. Byron Jones, limited practice. Those are the two big key ones. So the Miami Dolphins defensively, we're going to have to watch them see exactly what is our fantasy expectations. As of right now, I'm kind of ranking and projecting the Atlanta Falcons as if it's the Miami Dolphins defense that we have gotten as of late. Because even when Howard and Byron Jones have been out there earlier on the season, they still weren't really playing up to their capabilities. It still wasn't the shutdown Miami Dolphin defense you wanted to beat. It's just gotten really bad now they've been out, but they still weren't playing great. So as a result, Matt Ryan actually winds up coming in as my QB 12 on the week. He's he's actually a, a low-end quarterback one. He's a start for me with Calvin Ridley back and him playing better and throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. It's odd, but he is. Do I feel great about it? No. Do I love his upside? Not necessarily. But he definitely has a good floor heading into this matchup. Especially consider who's on by and what you might have to replace your quarterbacks with. So Matt Ryan, who should be available in quite a few leagues out there, especially after the performance he's been having, a lot of people moved on. He could be a streaming option for you this week. Calvin Ridley's my wide receiver nine. I have him just inside that top ten. Hopefully, whatever the issue was has been taken care of now. I hope everything's okay with him and his family. We never really got any details to that. We don't need any. But now that he's back, in what on paper is a good matchup, can we make up for the fact that you we missed out on you against the Jets? Can we, please? Can we make up for the fact that we drafted you to be a wide receiver one? You haven't quite been yet. 
I think he's got a good shot to turn around and be that top 10 wide receiver this week. Kyle Pitts, my number four tight end. Should be no surprise there. I mean, even even before he had the big game, which we expect him to do because it was the Jets and there was no Calvin Ridley, he was still already a target hog. So when it comes to tight ends, he's got one of the safest floors out there because at least you know he's going to be utilized as a vital part of the offense. Not something you have a lot in a lot of tight ends out there, especially not outside the top, ooh, I would say five or six now. So Kyle Pitts, tight end four. The running backs were interesting. So now, okay, we had the bye week. Does the usage, or should I say, does the productivity, the high-end, crazy, mind-blowing productivity of Cordero Patterson continue out of the bye? Did you lose some momentum? Yes? No? We'll have to see. I'm a little bit curious about it myself. Now, I had to rank Cordero Patterson as both a running back and a wide receiver because apparently, I mean, you have different platforms listing him as different things. I think I think ESPN has him as just a running back. Yahoo, he could play running back or wide receiver, some, something along those lines. So I, I'll i stick with him as a running back because I think in most formats, he's being utilized as a running back or you know is more ranked as a running back than a wide receiver. So he's my RB13 on the week. By the way, wide receiver-wise, he's my wide receiver 12. So he's about in the same range whether he's a running back or wide receiver for you. But he, he's a must-play. He's a borderline RB1 or a borderline wide receiver one, however which way you want to break it down. Again, with Cordell Patterson, you're ranking and projecting based on production, not based on usage. You're ranking on results, not based on process. So I think at this point, we're all smart enough to know, look, Cordell Patterson, yes, all the data is going to tell you it's time to sell high on Cordell Patterson and that he cannot sustain the rate in which he's scoring touchdowns and making all these big plays because while he definitively has a particular role in this offense, and that is, you know, playmaker, it's still not enough usage to really make up for what he, to put up the production he's been putting up. So here's my thing. Let's say Cordell Patterson, let's say, let's say you're not able to sell high on Cordell Patterson for something you really want which I think you probably would at this point, but let's say you weren't able to get exactly what you wanted for him. And you're wondering, okay, well, what what is his cool-off points? Like, what can I suspect? Is it going to be so bad that I can't play him, and therefore I have to sell him off for a little bit less than I wanted to? Or is he still going to be a usable fantasy asset, even if he's not necessarily, you know, acting like an RB1 out there? I think it's the latter. I think he will be a usable fantasy asset because, again, I go back to he definitively has a particular role within this offense. That's not That part's not going to go away. He's utilized as that guy to be that spark of the offense. That's not going to go away. He gets enough carries. He's getting double-digit touches one way or another, whether it be through receptions or being through carries. Double-digit touches is all you want as a running back. Double-digit touches, no matter what they are, automatically makes you an RB3. In most weeks. So my point with Cordell Patterson, I think he he's somewhere in that low in RB2, high in RB3 range, even if his usage actually starts to pro, uh, reflect his productivity. So that's why you don't you don't sell him off for anything less than you want to. Because he still be I still believe he'll be a fantasy asset all throughout the year, even if it's not a top end asset that he has been. Just food for thought. Mike Davis, by the way, my RB21. 
a very boring RB21, but the usage is still there and it's still a good matchup on paper. Let's flip things over to the Dolphins side of the ball where apparently Tua Tagovailoa is not going anywhere, according to this. He's my QB 13. He played well. He was a fantasy asset last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which you would want him to be. 329 yards, two touchdowns. He had the one interception. But he did all that with no Devontae Parker, no Will Fuller. All he had was Waddle and Mike and Mike Kosicki out there. The running game was nowhere to be found, a la Miles Gaskin owners. By the way, I can't believe I'm doing this. So it does seem to be an every other week thing going on between the Dolphins and Miles Gaskin. And uh, it's it's a bad week, as we've stated many times, as far as players' availability goes between injury and bye week. So I told I told myself after last week when I, I made him my RB20 because I was like, look, the Dolphins have to logically see what we saw the week before when he had 10 receptions for 99 yards and two touchdowns. He's... Not just your best running back by far, but he's one of the better playmakers you have on that team period, and you need playmakers because you lack them, and therefore you need to use this guy. Logic did not prevail against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I told myself if Logic did not prevail that I would not rank him too high. In fact, I wouldn't have him as somebody that I would even want to play. Ugh. Well, fast forward to this week and all the issues that we're facing this week. Miles Gassett comes in at RB28 for me. Now, he would be the most boom or bust what a uh, running back 28 I've ever ranked in my entire life. So I want to make sure I put that out there right there. And there's times where your numbers and your rankings, you kind of have to go with them and your heart and your gut is telling you something else. And I tell you guys in the nation all the time, part of playing fantasy football is going with your gut when it comes to setting your lineup. So I'm telling you that, listen, and this is with me, you know, trying to be cautious about it too. The numbers the usage he's had so far this season, the pattern is telling you that he should be at least considered as a flex play this week. If you can find another option, do so. Because he's definitely not a safe play at the RB28. He is a boom or bust option in your flex, plain and simple. Now, what's different about this game than the Jacksonville Jaguar game where they didn't use him? Well, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Nothing. <laughs> I know. I was acting like I was going to try to lead you off with some kind of crazy analysis scenario to kind of back up why he can be there. There's no difference. It's still a great matchup on paper for any running back. It, they have enough offensive pieces that the Dolphins are going to have to be in a pretty much a neutral game script and at least going back and forth throughout the week, which they did that against the Jaguars. Now, I'll say this. The Atlanta Falcons are a little bit better against the run which maybe that will lead the Dolphins coordinators to use Gaskin rather than Malcolm Brown. But look, until we get some definitive evidence that the Dolphins are going to stop it with this codependent offensive coordinator thing and stop it with this Malcolm Brown needs to play idiocy, you can't trust anything that you can't trust Miles Gaskin. You can't trust anything they do, frankly, that comes to the backfield. So if you can find another better better option, do it. But Gaskin, uh, 
unfortunately has to be considered in the flex territory for me. I know I feel so good about it, right? I'll tell you what I do feel good about on this team, though. I feel good about Jalen Waddle, and that's regardless of Devontae Parker. Now, Devontae Parker was able to practice in limited capacity today. So was Preston Williams, for that matter. And we'll talk about them in a second. That is a good sign for him to be able to return. But even if Parker comes back, Waddle's a target machine. Whether it was Jacoby Percet, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa, so far this season, it has not mattered. Now, is he getting down the field? No, which is kind of weird considering his speed and his abilities and what he was for Alabama in college. But nonetheless, he's got one of the safest floors of any wide receiver because of how he's being utilized. So you feel fine about that. You feel fine about that. Jalen Wild coming in my wide receiver 19 this week. He's a must wide receiver to play. Especially when we talk about half point, full point PPR leaks. Devontae Parker if I get the clarification, he's definitely going to go this week. I'll probably move him up a little bit more. As it stands right now, he is my wide receiver 31. So he's in that wide receiver three range. I don't think that's going to change as far as the range that he's in. I don't think I'm suddenly going to boost him up to wide receiver 24 or higher to make him a wide receiver two. So I make him, might make him, instead of being a mid-level wide receiver three, he might be more of a higher end wide receiver three. You like the match against the Atlanta Falcons. There's not a lot of players who have touchdown upside on this team. And he's one of the better jump ball receivers that they have. So if he's out there and he's able to play, he'd be a fantasy asset. He'd be somebody I would be looking to start. And of course, we have Mike Isecki, who comes in at my tight end nine. Talk about a guy who's been a target monster for almost a month now, the entire month of October, essentially, to this point. Mostly due to the fault, but even if Parker comes back, I mean, you're still talking about, you know, Waddle, Parker, Kasicki. There's plenty of targets for those three to eat. All three of them could do well, especially in a matchup like this against the Atlanta Falcons. So I feel good about playing all of them, and we're going to be watching Parker because Parker could be a a valuable fantasy asset this week for a lot of teams. I don't know who would bet on this game. Look at the Atlanta Falcons, look at the Miami Dolphins. You kind of have to throw your hands up like, I have no idea which team I'm going to get out of either one of you any given week, and now you're playing each other. This thing can go any direction. The line set at minus two and a half. Atlanta's actually a road favorite in this game. Coming off the bye week, the over-under set at 47 and a half. I think if I was going to go any direction, I'd take a look at the over-under because both these offenses, I think, could probably handle these defenses to some degree. And if I was going to bet this game, I'm not going to bet this game. If I was going to bet this game, I would say Miami plus two and a half because I don't think Atlanta is good enough to be a home, uh, a road favorite. But I'm not going to bet this game. So ultimately, I would say no contest for me as far as the actual lines go. Now, live betting props and all that stuff. We'll talk about more about that on Friday's show. From 9 to 10 p.m. at Bell MDF have shown on the YouTube channel. We'll talk about more about that kind of stuff then. But as far as the upfront up lines go, which is what we usually cover in these shows, yeah, I, that's a no contest for me as far as that matchup is concerned. Let's talk about one of the AFC East rivals in another game that, if you, unless you got some fancy implications, I don't think anybody's going to really want to watch. New York Jets and the New England Patriots this week. Jets coming off of their bye week. Look, Michael Carter, he's an RB3. He's an RB27 Leading into the bye, he had been getting utilized more and more and more as the lead back, taking away more routes run from Ty Johnson, taking away all the carries from really both him and Tevin Coleman. 
and finding his way into the end zone. But that was the big thing. So that's why he's still an RB3 for me, and he's an RB3 with a low floor. Because if you if you look at those games, and even though his utilization has been going up, take away the touchdown those two games that he scored, it still would have been a very, very ugly fantasy day. And while New England Patriots aren't the defense we expected them to be, especially over the past couple of weeks, I do think they're good enough to look like the defense we thought they would be against the New York Jets. And that could wind up being the real difference here when you're looking at this at this game and coming to Michael Carter. So he's still an RB3 for me with all the teams out and the utilization trending up. I don't see why that would have changed in the bye week. But just expect a guy who might have a low floor heading that matchup as well. You get to the wide receivers. Corey Davis, he comes in at wide receiver 27. So he's a wide receiver three for me. James Crowder's a wide receiver 37. So just outside that wide receiver three, but is in the conversation if you need to for flex wide receivers at wide receiver 37. High end wide receiver four, low end wide receiver three, right in that range. Now, I know James Crowder has his long history with the Jets of not putting up good numbers against New England Patriots even when he was, you know, usually the number one target and heavily targeted, you know, all the time under Adam Gase, who only targets slot receivers in his offense anyway. Here's the thing, though. During that time frame, he's the only guy out there. And as people are starting to figure out with Robbie Anderson, mm, Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, not actually a thing. Never was a thing until the end of season when it no longer mattered, when there was nothing on the line, and Sam Darnold was just throwing balls up for grabs, and then Robbie Anderson would make big plays. No, 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 no. I view those teams as there was Crowder and really pretty much nobody else. So Crowder, of course, what the Patriots do, they take away your number one receiving option. Well, that was always Jamison Crowder for them. So keeping that in mind, for me at least, there's a chance here that, well, I think Corey Davis would be the number one option taken away from New England Patriots. No? So maybe there's a chance that there is a decent floor in half-point or full-point PPR leagues when it comes to Crowder. I would feel better about it as a full-point PPR league, but I do think he's in the conversation of being an option for you this week, regardless of his history, because it might be Corey Davis who's more in trouble than him. Now, like I said, regardless, though, Corey Davis, a wide receiver three, a wide receiver 27. I think you can play him as a spot-start fill-in guy, and this would be one of the opportunities where you might have to do that. You flip things over to the New England Patriots side of the ball. And look, I love Damian Harris. He's an RB12. He's off the injury report. Had a good game last week. I expect him to have another good game this week, especially against the New York Jets. So he's low-end RB1, high-end RB2 for me. Must play. And this is a game where it's going to be a rare opportunity. The New England Patriots get to be in a pro game script, and that has Damian Harris written all over it given that he's not worked in the passing game, but is a, is a workhorse, is a hammerhead. I completely expect him to score. Wonderful chance to get 100 yards. That's why he's an RB12 for me heading into this week. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is just, he's a guy who has a very, very safe floor. He's a wide receiver three with a safe floor. And in this particular week, he's a higher end wide receiver three at wide receiver 26 for me. Can't deny the targets. Are you going to get a touchdown? Yeah, probably not. Although I would say if he was ever going to get a touchdown, the Jets would be the one he'd do it against. But you're not expecting that when you play Jacoby Myers. You know you are going to get probably somewhere around 10 points in half-point PPR leagues one way or another because of the targets and receptions that he's seen. Plain and simple. That doesn't change here in a good match against the New York Jets because he's game script proof as far as his utilization goes. 
And then you have Hunter Henry. He comes at tight end 12 for me. You're praying to God he scores. I mean, <laughs> you really are. Because, yes, while he has seemingly taken the lead over Janu Smith when it comes to targets and routes run and everything you really care about from fantasy purpose-wise for tight ends, there is one issue, which is he's still not utilized that much. And if you take away the touchdown, it's still not a very impressive fantasy day. But it is the Jets. We're looking for streaming options. Hunter Henry is that guy and is on my low-end tight end one, top 12 tight end for me this week. This is another game. I don't know why anybody would want to bet. It's not going to be very exciting. New England's favored by minus seven. Over-under set at 42 and a half. Very reflective of the Thursday night game, by the way. I don't know if the Patriots are good enough to even beat the Jets by seven points with the way they've played lately. Now, I know they played really well last week and made the game go into overtime against a very superior Dallas team. There's no doubt about it. But Chris and I have talked about this in the past. The Patriots always find a way to play up to their competition and also at the same time play down to their competition. Remember back two weeks ago when they almost lost and really should have lost that game to the Houston Texans. So outside of betting the money line, which I wouldn't do because it's minus 340 for the Patriots, I don't think I'm touching this game with a 10-foot pole, quite frankly. I don't even really want to watch this game too much if I can help it unless I got something fantasy-wise going in it, which luckily for me, in most of my leagues anyway, I do not. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers and New York Giants. Sam Darnold has been Sam Darnold-esque the past two games where he's been awful, but it's the New York Giants. It's a great matchup. And I expect the game script to be a little bit back and forth because the Giants offensively are getting a little bit healthier. So I don't think it's going to be a one-sided affair. Sam Darnold in this week still has to be a QB 10 for me. He's still a top 12 quarterback. So if you're looking for a streaming option, you picked up Darnold last week to stream him and you still need a guy to stream, you could probably just keep him on the roster, not bothering to have to change that out in any capacity and play him. He's a top 10 quarterback for me. The Giants are horrendous. James Bradbury has not been the same type of corner. Without Blake Martinez, you can pretty much do whatever you want to them over the middle. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. The big caveat, the big thing for me would be I expect DJ Moore to be more productive. Now, of course, last week you loved the 13 targets. It just it wasn't hitting because Sam Darnold was 17 of 41. He was terrible. But the difference is, is that the Giants don't have the same kind of pass rush heading into this game. And Darnold was under duress last week. And that has a lot to do with why he was uncomfortable 
and why he was playing like he was. But when you go up against a team like the Giants, you don't really have a very good pass rush, and you kind of take away those fears or take away the ghosts that he may be seeing, if you will. As a result of that, I think Sam Darnold will actually have a decent game here and be good QB 10. DJ Moore is my wide receiver four. He's the top five wide receiver for me. All he has to do, all, all he needs is Darnold to be a little bit more accurate, and he'll be a number one receiver every single week. Robbie Anderson, I hope he's still on your waiver wires. There's no if you're part of MD Nation, there's no reason to own Robbie Anderson. Chuba Hubbard is my RB 10 on the week. My RB 10. So he's a top 10 guy, RB1. Obviously, what we're watching for with Chuba Hubbard is can you be the guy you were two weeks ago who got the CMC workload, got the carries and the majority of targets overwhelmingly in the routes run. Can you be that guy? Because if you're that guy, you're an RB1, at least a low in RB1, probably almost every single week until Christian McCaffrey returns. If you're not, if you're more like the guy that you were last week or the first week that you played for Christian McCaffrey, then you're probably more like a high-end RB2. You'll get most of the carries, you'll have a a chance to get a touchdown, but somebody else get worked in on passing downs and he won't have that role to himself limiting his potential in the passing game work. He shouldn't because Royce Freeman's a bum and Rodney Smith is nothing. However, like I said last week, or like I said in the recap show, Royce Freeman reminds me a lot of Malcolm Brown, where coaches like him because he can pass protect. He can do a little bit of everything, even if it's just slow and plotting and uneventful every time he touches the ball. So it's a little little something I'd be a little bit concerned about, but we'll see if he's able to get back to his usage here. Either way, it's a great matchup, and I expect to be a low-end RB1 here. Now on the Giants side of the ball, look, Saquon Barkley, I'd be shocked if he played this week. I think the idea the entire time was that he would take two weeks off and then maybe try to come back the third week, which is why they didn't put him in the IR. I'd be shocked if he came back this week. He didn't practice today. Kenny Galladay, I actually have a little bit more hope that he's able to go. Now, he wasn't able to practice today, so we'll have to see exactly what happens. And he does need to practice at least Thursday or Friday to be able to play on Sunday. And preferably for a guy who hasn't been practicing and missed as much time as he's already had this season, you'd want to see him practice Thursday and Friday. So he's still very much a question mark. I have a little more hope for him. I did rank him. He's my wide receiver 34. Not the highest ranked wide receiver. The highest ranked wide receiver for the New York Giants is Sterling Shepard. My wide receiver 24 on the week, in fact. He's a low-end wide receiver, too. Kadarius Tony's not going to play this week. I'll save you the suspense there now. Darius Slayton has a chance. He practiced in a limited capacity today. If Kenny Galladay's out and Darius Slayton's able to make his return this week, I do think Slayton is somebody that you can consider to be a wide receiver four range or a bust option in his own right because he would be the only real deep threat that the Giants have. And Jones does like to take some shots from time to time. You don't necessarily love the matchup, but the utilization and target solidation may be there. So Slayton's kind of keep, you know, if you're somebody who's been just decimated by buys and injuries this week, and you're just looking for anything with a pulse, keep Slayton in the back of your mind in case, you know, Kenny Galladay can't go this week and he's able to. But Sterling Shepard, I'll just, I'll keep reiterating this. He is, when he is healthy, the number one target, the favorite receiver of Daniel Jones, period. Even when Sterling Shepard a couple years ago or last year was playing on the outside, not in the slot, where he's not nearly as good of a receiver, he was still getting targeted the most out of Daniel Jones. That's his guy. That's his safety blanket. That's his comfort zone. That'll continue. And Shepard will play in the slot in this game, too, by the way. So I expect a high floor here out of a Sterling Shepard this week. A nice little play. 
Now, of course, like I said, Saquon Barkley's not going to play. Devontae Booker, RB20 for me on the week. The one thing you do like from last week, he had all the volume, rushing and passing. I know Elijah Penny got the cheap touchdown at the end. More times than not, I do think that'll be a Devontae Booker touchdown. He got all the work you're looking for. Therefore, he has a safe floor. He's a run, he's a starting running back in the NFL with a high usage rate. He comes at an RB20 for me. Am I going to be excited about it? No. Is he one of those running backs that I want to start and then not have to watch if I can help it? Yeah, th- that would be more my thing. You're hoping he falls in the end zone and just gives you a nice floor in between. Devontae Booker is just not very explosive. And this is the now after the Buffalo Bills gave up that, you know, big game to Derrick Henry. This is now the best run defense in the NFL statistically going into this matchup. It's another game I don't really want to bet. There are not a lot of games that I want to bet this week. Not their lines anyway. Now, I might tease some things down. That's not something we get to a lot in this show. It's something you can do in a lot of sports books, uh, my bookie being included. But typically on the show, we try to stick to what the main lines are heading into any given matchup. Carolina Panthers are road favorites, as they should be at minus three. But I think that line's correct. I really do. Even if Saquon doesn't go and Kenny Galladay doesn't go, even the Giants, I do think talent-wise, being an inferior team, it's in New York. And I don't think the Carolina Panthers are a good enough team to be able to lock them in for a lock bet here. The over-under set at 43 in this matchup. So that that be my thing. I say no contest ultimately in this game either. Let's keep this thing. Well, actually, no, we got to get a quick break in from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we'll finish up the rest of the games. Actually, there's only one more game we have to talk about, and then we have the mailbag segment for you guys on the other side. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, and, of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you'd like to go, and check us out tomorrow, Thursday, 6 to 7.30 p.m. on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.com. 
Pro. We talked about the Thursday night preview tonight. We t- we're, we're previewing all the early slate window of games for week seven. We got one more to talk about, and then we have the mailbag segment for you guys. So let's dive into what quality-wise might be the best game of the early slate window of games, which is the Cincinnati Bengals going to Baltimore, take on the Baltimore Ravens, an AFC North matchup, and a Bengals team that is looking pretty good right now. Joe Burrow, my QB9 on the week. So I was having a conversation with somebody about this saying like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really excited to play any of the Bengal players against the Baltimore Ravens with that defense of theirs, you know, going off the fact that they held a very good offense in the Los Angeles Chargers to only six points. And my retort was, did you not watch any of the games leading up to that matchup? Ravens defense hasn't been that good. Now they haven't been terrible which I guess in some ways is better than what you could say for a lot of other defenses that were supposed to be good and have not been so far this season. But they're not a defense that I'm afraid of. Rushing or receiving. Not a lot of that's due to the injuries that they've had, of course, but it's a defense that I think is, is it's not a juicy matchup. You're not salivating at the mouth to play your guys against them, but you're not afraid to either. So Joe Burrow's a top 10 quarterback for me. He's QB 9 getting all his weapons back and what's going to be a competitive game on the road. He's been throwing the ball a little bit more each and every week. Has the explosiveness with Jamar Chase. Has everything in between with T. Higgins. At this point, Tyler Boyd's just a guy who's out there. You know, a nice luxury to have, apparently, for this team. That's all he is. I'm not going to do it again. We already hit the dump button. If you needed to make a roster move, I do think Tyler Boyd is somebody you can drop if you're if you're in a situation where you need to. He's got no fantasy value. None. He's got no ceiling with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase out there because his fantasy value came from his volume. He doesn't have volume when they're both out there. He's not a touchdown guy. He's not a big play guy. So he has no ceiling and he has no floor. That makes you fantasy irrelevant. Now, because of his name and what he's done in the past, he's somebody that people want to hold on to and make fantasy relevant. But the fact of the matter is he's not. Now, if T. Higgins were to get hurt again or if something were to happen to Jamar Chase, and yeah, completely different story. He is fantasy relevant at that point. But if he's the third receiver on this team, he's not fantasy relevant to me. They're not throwing the ball 45, 50 times like they were last season. That's not what's going on with this team right now because the Bengals' defense is one of the most underrated good defenses of the season thus far. Joe Burrow's not in a situation where he has to throw the ball that much. Joe Mixon's healthy. And therefore, don't have to lean on Joe Burrow nearly as much either. So I love Burrow at number nine. Not playing Tyler Boyd, obviously. Joe Mixon's my number six running back on the week. Samaja Perrine has actually not been activated from the COVID protocols yet, from the COVID reserve yet, I should say. And I have not gotten word as to whether or not he's getting closer or, you know, if he's tested negative once or anything like that. So there's a chance here Samaja Perrine misses again. And Chris Evans picked up an injury that limited him practice today. So he's not 100%. All this goes to say that Joe Mixon, you got to love his floor because with Perrine potentially being out again and Evans being a little bit banged up in his own right, you're hoping Joe Mixon continues what he did last week and be the workhorse back, not just on the ground, but through the air as well giving him one hell of a floor. And you saw how good he is, the pass catcher. That 40-yard screen run was a thing of beauty 
and a Joe Mixon last week. So as long as he's getting that volume, he's always a threat to score. He's always a threat to go off, and that's why you love him at RB6. I, I wish it didn't take Samaja Perrine and Chris Evans to be limited or out for that to happen. You thought with Gino Bernard being gone, it wasn't going to take that anymore, and Samaja Perrine being a nobody in his own right and definitely not a specialty pass catcher, why that had become a thing after week one that suddenly Joe Mixon wasn't getting the passing down work that he should have been getting. I know they're looking for ways to give him breathers. Just give him a breather. Just say, hey, you know what? This series, unless we get into the end zone, you're going to sit out this one, Joe Mixon. Catch your breath. Take a little rest. Have a big run? Eh. We'll bring him Perrine real quick. Give you a breather. Give him breathers that way. Don't take away his passing usage on a consistent basis. That doesn't make any sense. Zach Taylor. Who, by the way, I got to give some props to. I really thought he's going to be on his way out because I didn't think the Cincinnati Bengals as a football team was going to be good just yet. They're four and two. If they can keep this up, he may actually wind up holding on to his job after all. Well, there's still a lot more football to be played. We'll see what happens, but something that's on the horizon. Jamar Chase, my wide receiver seven. Again, I'm not I'm not concerned about the Baltimore Ravens defense. I've I've seen them give up quite a few points to pretty much everybody else. So he's my wide receiver seven. T. Higgins, my wide receiver twenty-two. He's a wide receiver two for me. He's playing. He's in my lineup. I love all the Bengals. CJ Usama, I know he's interesting because he seems to find his ways in these opportunities where he's getting touchdowns. I'm not banking on that. Utilization's not there, especially with all three receivers back. There's other options you can turn to besides CJ Usama who offer you a little bit more than he does. And on the Ravens side of things, look, Lamar Jackson, I know fantasy-wise he was a dud last week, but I think everybody kind of agrees that NFL-wise, quarterback-wise, he played well. He played well. I don't think the Ravens defense is going to dominate the game the way they did last week, twice in a row, for especially for a defense that hasn't been that good and hasn't been very consistent to this point. And that was a big key as to why they were able to do what they did. So I think Lamar Jackson, he comes in, he's my QB2 this week. I think he turns back into Superman. Big part of that being Latavius Murray banged up. He seems to be a huge question mark for this week. There's not a single... Baltimore running back that I have playing this week. I never thought that would ever happen with this offense and the way they operate. But even if Murray's out, first of all, my if you want my ex, my expectation would be that Devonta Freeman, based on what I've seen, would be the lead back. But if he's out, then Tyson Williams gets activated. He'll get sprinkled in. Apparently, Le'Veon Bell will get sprinkled in after getting promoted off the practice squad again. Ugh. I hate their backfield. And like I said, Latavius Murray's not out there. I'm not playing any of them. I don't even necessarily want to play them when Latavius Murray is out there. I just know he has the best chance to score a touchdown on all of them. That's the only reason I'm willing to do that in the first place. We'll keep our eyes on this throughout the week and see how things are looking to shake out. But as of right now, I don't have a Ravens running back in my top 36. And then Marquise Brown. Solid wide receiver two, wide receiver 17. No, I'm not worried about Rashad Bateman coming in and stealing away the targets Marquise Brown needs to be fantasy relevant. The whole thing about this season thus far hasn't been about Brown getting extra volume. He, he's he been targeted just as much as he's been any other year where he was a fantasy dud most of the time. No, the, the difference has been that Lamar Jackson's taking shots down the field off of play action this year. That's not going to stop. And Rashad Bateman, I love him. I think he could be a superstar wide receiver in this league at some point. He reminds me so much of DeAndre Hopkins. It's ridiculous. But Marquise Brown's still the deep threat guy. 
And as of right now, we'll still be the number one guy. And Bateman had his first game as a rookie last week. He's not suddenly going to roll in and completely take over the wide receiver group to take over all the targets. That's not going to, that's not what's going to happen. So there's a season Brown's having. In fact, Brown should have had a touchdown last week, but dropped it. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation probably had he done that. So I'm not worried about Marquise Brown. Wide receiver 17 for me. You play him with confidence. He's got great upside. Rashad Bateman's not a play for me this week. I still need to see it the second week in a row before I can really be confident about his utilization within his offense being really fantasy relevant. Because remember last week, even though he was utilized, it still wasn't a great fantasy day because it wasn't a great fantasy day for the passing attacks in general. The other thing we have to see is exactly right after this your client's going away for 10 years unless unless we swap first round picks fantasy football draft season is upon us it's time for you to put the pp back in the ppr league with the sponsors of today's show manscaped the leaders in below the waist grooming just launched the new performance package 4.0 don't neglect your balls like the packers front office has been neglecting aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore all with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right, welcome back in MD Nation to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I think we had a little bit of technical difficulties there for a split second, but we are back now, and guess what time it is? If I can actually hit the button. I think we're still having technical difficulties. All right. Well, it is the mailbag time. Mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. That's my best attempt to do it without being able to hit the drop. Don't judge me. All right. First up, we got Dom. Play Tim Patrick or Khalil Herbert in the flex for PPR this week. So it's a tough one, right? Because Damian Williams, he still hasn't been activated off the COVID-19 list. So there's a chance here Khalil Herbert could have all the utilization to himself. We'll see if that really winds up being the case or not. And you got to make a decision on this quickly. Here's what I would say. Because of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there's even if he has all the work, there's a potential for a low floor. I'd have to say, I'd have to lean towards just not playing Cleo Herbert, sticking with Tim Patrick, especially since you're running the risk that Damian Williams maybe does come back anyway. Tim Patrick is just a, such a safe floor as a wide receiver three this week, especially in PPR formats. I would just play Tim Patrick, play it safe, unless unless you find out before kickoff on Thursday that Damian Williams, you know, is not going to play that week or whatever the case may be. But that that's how I would handle that situation if it were me. Uh, next up, Cohen. 
half point PPR T Higgins or Tim Patrick uh, T Higgins. Uh, it's not, it's not close. T Higgins has way more upside. He has about the same floor as a Tim Patrick does. I have him ranked about seven spots higher than Tim Patrick. So for me, it's no brainer Cohen. Go ahead with T Higgins. I'm not worried about the Baltimore defense as I already elaborated on that. Nemo. He asked me for, for my flex, a lot of flex questions, Alex Collins or Dearness Johnson. Yeah. This is a question I've seen in a lot of places. So you have to play Dearness Johnson for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, we don't know if Alex Collins is going to be active or not Monday night because he's hurt. Uh, two, even if he is, there's a chance that Rashad Penny could also be active Monday night. So you have a chance he might be in the committee. And then the third reason being it's a Monday night game. So as a result of being a Monday night game, we might not find out any information until later in the week. You've got to make a decision on the Ernest Johnson heading into Thursday night, who you know is going to be the workhorse back. So for me, therefore, you break that all down and say it all that way. I would say to you, definitely go ahead and play Dearness Johnson. And then Mac asked me, Mike Kosicki or Dallas Goddard? It's Dallas Goddard for me, bud. Uh, Dallas Goddard. It, now, here's another one. Dallas Goddard also has not been activated from the COVID-19 reserve list. So we have to watch that first and foremost. But assuming he is and assuming he plays, Dallas Goddard is a top six tight end for me, and he has top five potential heading into this matchup. Again, with the Philadelphia Eagles, if you were to combine Goddard and Zach Ertz into one tight end over these past five weeks, five, six weeks now, you'd have a top three tight end on your hands. Okay, so now we get the opportunity to see that come to fruition in the form of Dallas Goddard with Zach Ertz finally out of the way. Dallas Goddard over Mike Isecki, not just this week, but rest of the season for me. That's going to do it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Again, we'll be back tomorrow from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And then at 8.30, we'll be going live with the Thursday night game cast and the late Sunday, or I shouldn't say late Sunday, the late window of week seven games to talk about and talk about their matchup previews, what we like, what we don't, and the fantasy expectations for that. So make sure you stay tuned and follow us along on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. And subscribe to us on YouTube for the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel and check us out on your favorite podcasting app after the show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 